opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Communications, staff, management, or advertisers. Activist Radio is on the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark so i'm over the air in ohio and west virginia so you can go to the markharringtonshow.com to find out where we are also broadcast on terrestrial radio so we appreciate you uh, tuning in today, and uh, we're going to be talking about surviving an abortion. Now, a lot of people think surviving an abortion, I mean, is, is that even a thing? I mean, is that even a thing? Do people actually survive an abortion? Do they live after a failed abortion attempt? Well, it is a thing. And we're going to be talking to Melissa Oden, who survived an abortion here on the Mark Harrington Show today. So thank you, Melissa, for being on the program. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Appreciate you having So Melissa and I have actually, we're not sure we've ever met in person, which is really strange because I've been around a long time in the pro-life movement. And she's been doing uh, a lot of speaking on um, on her testimony, her story for many, many years. But either way, we're, we're having an opportunity to get acquainted today here on the program. So, Melissa, uh, surviving an abortion. I mean, this is uh, to many people listening to the program. They're probably thinking, is this a thing? So is it a thing? It's very much a thing. You wouldn't know that by looking at our culture, would you, Mark? Our, no. Our, our culture says failed abortions don't happen. Born alive legislation isn't needed. Uh, people mm -hmm. like me don't exist. Right. And the reality is, if we look through statistics, even back into the 1970s, 1980s, the CDC themselves identified that children were regularly surviving abortion, 400 to 500 live births a year from what they were estimating. And so I am one of those statistics. I have to That's age myself. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. Let's let if you would let's. Um, I know obviously you were you were too young. I mean you were a preborn baby at the time. You don't. I assume, you know, obviously that you don't remember the actual procedure. But as much as you've been able to piece together, if you would, can you go back to that day? Are you able to do that? I can. I'm one of the few survivors who knows an awful lot about my story. That's what's wow. allowed me to share it. I, that's where I age myself. I'm 43, so I survived an abortion in 1977, so four years after Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton were passed. Hmm. And, you know, my birth mother Ruth's experience is a lot like many women. She had no other choice when it came to abortion. She was 19, a college student, 
not married to my biological father. Mm -hmm. And and she was forced, I mean, literally forced by her family to have an abortion. And I know if you're like, most people will kind of raise an eyebrow and say forced. Right. She was. Her mother, my maternal grandmother, was a prominent nurse, had a great, unfortunately, great working relationship with a local abortionist at their hospital. And so they forced it upon her, put her in the hospital, bypassing hospital regulations and procedures, believing nobody would ever find out that it wasn't her choice. And most certainly nobody would ever hear from me. So how far along were, uh, was, your, was your biological mother at the time? The abortionist wrote on my medical records, he estimated 18 to 20 weeks. Okay. So you would be considered, you know, late second trimester and you survived that. So, I mean, that's crazy. What, if you know much about that, how did that happen? So we know that my birth mother was probably much further along. I weighed almost three pounds. I was two pounds, 14 ounces when I survived a saline infusion abortion. And You know, I hear these kind of circumstances all the time, Mark, and I'm sure you do too. People want to say late-term abortions don't happen, but we know statistically many women don't even know how far along they are when they go in to have that abortion. Right. Uh, My guest today is Melissa Oden. You can find out more about her story, which is hugely compelling and very, very encouraging, uh, by going to Melissa Oden. Dot com And that's O-H-D-E-M, MelissaOden.com. She's also written a book, which I want to talk about, called Your, You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. Uh, so, Melissa, you know, 1977, it was four years after Roe versus Wade. Your biological mother was 19 years old at the time. You survived the abortion. Uh, obviously very, uh, what, two, would you say two pounds? So, so, so very premature, I assume. And, uh, but you were kept alive. So, uh, you know, born, I assume of course that you were adopted, right? I was. So after the abortion failed, I was ultimately provided medical care, even though that was not the intent. Initially, there were arguments about whether I would be left to die. Um, you know, God wow. has blessed me with bringing people into my life who are a part of my story. So I unfortunately know my grandmother was there at the hospital when I was delivered alive and demanded that the nurses leave me to die. I oh was very close to death. If you look through my medical records, uh, I was like a six on my APGAR scale when I was initially born alive. And then within five minutes, I was nearly dead. But at least one nurse was willing to do the right thing for me that day and rushed me off to the NICU. And that's why I'm here today. I suffered from respiratory liver problems, jaundice, seizures, you name it. But my adoptive parents didn't hesitate for a second to open their hearts and their home to me. So I grew up knowing I was adopted. Wow. So you were two pounds. You went into the NICU unit. Uh, How long were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital for about two and a half months. So I was literally supposed to be an October baby to to connect with the movie. Uh I was, I should have been born in October and I was born in August and I went home to my adoptive family that October. 
Wow. So again, I'm talking to Melissa Oden, and uh, we're talking about how she survived her, her abortion and has lived to talk about it now. And, and we're talking about her story. That is her story of surviving plus reconnecting with her uh, biological mother. And so let's let's fast forward uh, past the uh, failed abortion attempt, if you want to call it that, and the fact that you survived that to meeting with your biological mother. I mean, it's quite an amazing story, a miracle that you actually connected with her. I want our viewers and listeners to understand what happened there. So tell us about that. How many years did it take for this to come around for you to find out? And, and if you would just share with us how you met with, finally met with your biological mother. I found out my story of surviving the abortion when I was 14 and wow. had to go through a huge process of grief and healing and ultimately went on a journey to find my biological parents. That started when I was about 19 and I actually found- How, how did you find out, Melissa? How did you find out? How did that come to you at 14? How did you find that, inf that information? It was an accident. So my adoptive parents knew my story. They were told that I was likely gonna have a lot of special needs, but they kept uh -huh. it a secret. And when I was 14, my older sister was facing an unplanned pregnancy as a high school student and was considering every option. Hmm. Our parents told her my story, hoping that she would understand how big of a decision she was facing in her life. And that's how that news started to trickle down to me. It was awful. I could imagine. I mean, to know that your mother didn't want you, that you survived the abortion um at 14 and then when what took place after that to connect you back to your biological mother yeah so i searched for them for about 10 years and i finally obtained my medical records in 2007 i'm one of the few survivors who has detailed medical records it talks about the abortion in multiple places and it oh. also included my birth parents names oh <laughs> Oops. wow okay i'm so thankful so how, how, but you didn't uh, find them, they found you, isn't that right? Well, it was kind of this process of give and take. So I looked for them for a long time. My birth father passed away not long after I found him, but his family found me through a letter that I had sent to him after I found out who he was. And it took a whole lot longer for me to be connected with my birth mother's side of the family. I couldn't find her, but I did have some communication with her parents, not knowing back then that my grandmother played the huge role in this forced abortion that she did. So I didn't mm -hmm. hear from Ruth, my birth mother, until, oh gosh, about eight years ago now. It's been a long process. And so how did Ruth and you get together? How did that happen? One of her cousins connected us. This has been a hard thing to walk out both on my side yeah. and hers. And right. I couldn't, I mean, even my adoptive parents never could have found them. There were so many secrets about this abortion. And so the cousin connected us and we started out on that journey of communicating by email. And, you know, honestly, Mark, I think the hardest part was for Ruth to understand that I mean it when I say that I love her. And I have forgiven mm -hmm. her. So you had already forgiven her before you had met her. I could imagine being your biological mother who wanted to abort you, who would be very, very hesitant, I would imagine, to ever want to meet you. How how could she even want to do that? I could imagine 
being, you know, not wanting that to happen. So uh, how many years did it take where you were just communicating electronically before you guys met? And tell us about that. Yeah, we actually communicated for about three years before we ever met face to face. And, you know, what I didn't tell people for a long time is that when we started communicating, the reason why it happened when it did is because we were living in the same city. I, uh -huh. wow. I lived in the same city where my birth father lived. I did not know that when I went searching for him. I gave birth to my first child in the same hospital where my life was supposed to end. Wow. And then eight years ago, we moved to Kansas City, not knowing that this is where my birth mother has lived for decades. Uh, that's and an amazing thing. That's a God is. thing. It is such I mean, a God thing. What are, the, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah, I love it because people kind of look at me and go, yeah, she's got to be making this up, right? Mm, <laughs> no, never could have asked for it. But that that made it a little bit strange, as you can imagine, to knew, to know we were living in the same city. And mm -hmm. yet we spent years building walls of trust and love with one another before we ultimately could be the first person to say, you know, I know this is awkward. I, I hope that you don't reject me, but would you like to meet? And so we did. And and where did you meet? That's I found that really interesting in the story, the place that you guys decided to meet. We met at the zoo. And I know, yes, people look at that and go, what on earth? <laughs> well, I mean, there are a lot of people around. There are also a lot of animals around. I guess you have a lot of distractions. That's that's part of it, isn't it, Mark? You know, we were trying to make it as um, <laughs> not awkward <laughs> as it could be and make it natural. And I think that's a lot of what people will find in in our relationship is, you know, we've tried to make things as normal as they can be, given mm -hmm. the circumstances that we faced. And, you know, as you can imagine, it was extremely emotional. Mm. Uh, one of the very first words Ruth spoke to me that day was, you know, I never got to hold you. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I imagine she broke down. Yeah. And it still makes me emotional to this day because the other, piece, the other piece of this story for people to understand why that was so important. I did not know until her family reached out to me that she did not no, for over 30 years that I had survived that abortion. So she she was living with the guilt of killing her child, probably for, what did you say, 30 years? Yeah, over 30 years. Her family knew, you know, of course, this raises a lot of questions. How was I placed for adoption? Use your right. imagination. I get to use mine. Uh, we have some really good guesses on how this happened. But yeah, her greatest regret in life has still been, even after we've met, is that she didn't run away from her family to save me. Mm -hmm. My guest again is Melissa Odin. You can find out more by going to melissaodin.com. You can also get her book, which is called You Carried Me, A Daughter's Memoir. And this is the story of how she reconnected with her biological mother after a failed abortion attempt. Uh, Melissa, if you would, I want to get to how you were able to forgive your mother. Your mother tried to kill you. There's no other way to put it. How were you able to do that? And then share 
the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the power of that testimony to also change your mother's life. Absolutely. Yeah, that part will always make me emotional too, Mark. It was an incredibly painful process at the age of 14 to find out that the person that I adored from afar, right, as an adoptee, had tried to end my life. And so you do have Mm -hmm. to go through this process of really grief about it. And anger was part of that. Resentment was part of that. But for me, you know, I was raised in a home of great faith, and I am so grateful for that because even though it looks different, the older you get and the more you find out about your story and life happens, I think the most healing, freeing thing for me when I was a teenager was to forgive them for the first time. And for me, that really comes from a place of not only faith, of knowing that, you know, Christ died for my abortionist. Christ died for my grandmother. Christ died for my biological parents, just as much as he did you and me. But I think that other piece that is combined in that is seeing their humanity. We are all broken people. And I can't ever look upon any of their lives and think I am so much far above and past that. We have a pretty level playing field when it comes to being broken human beings. Amen. Again, my guest is Melissa Oden. Go to MelissaOden.com. And folks, if you want to help uh, support this program, The Mark Harrington Show, and Created Equal, our pro-life outreach to college and high school campuses and to students there, you can go to our website at createdequal.org or MarkHarringtonShow.com and give to our ministry. We need your support to keep this program on the air. We also want to be uh, in the next two weeks, we're going to be heading out onto the road with our young people to several college campuses in the South as part of our justice ride. That's where we charter uh, buses, that is, and take students on the road to teach them how to t- to talk to uh, college and high school students about abortion. So you can go to our websites, either createdequal.org or markharringtonshow.org, and you can donate to our work as well. You can also pick up uh, Melissa's uh, uh, book by going to melissaoden.com. That's O-H-D-E-N.com, melissaoden.com. Melissa, let's switch the gears again and let's talk about since all of that has happened, the failed abortion attempts, surviving the abortion, meeting you, with your biological mother, having healing, forgiveness of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful story. And then now you have launched years ago, the Abortion Survivors Network. Uh, That is the organization that you head up. You are out speaking about your story. And um, uh, why did you decide to do that? It would have been enough, probably. (laughs) You survived the abortion. You met with your biological mother. There's reconciliation there. Uh, Why did you feel compelled now to go on the road and and speak all across the country about your, uh, your experience? The easy thing to do would be quiet. I mean, yeah. to some extent, right? Yeah, it's um, a hard but, story. I mean, it's people like, whoa, man, that's that's heavy. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's countercultural to be somebody like me. I'll be very honest. Yeah. Uh, we face a lot of heat <laughs> yep. uh, just for being outspoken about our beliefs and then to actually be one of the people that, you know, was denied a constitutional right to life. <laughs> it's not a super popular opinion. Uh, right. But for 
for me, it was such a calling. I mean, I had prayed so fervently for, you know, God to show me if I was called to come forward. And I gave up a very safe career in social work, in government, mm -hmm. uh, and people thought I was crazy. <laughs> Uh, and and now people look upon what I'm doing and they are just so grateful that I have continued to say yes. And and that's what my life is just every single day, you know, praying and, and just saying, Lord, if this is what I'm called to do, give me the courage to follow you. And that's how hundreds of survivors are coming forward and finding healing. We're doing a retreat this weekend with survivors from around the world for the very first time. Wow. And it's changing their lives, Mark, and it will change wow. our culture. Well, that's amazing. I mean, so you you have assembled hundreds of abortion survivors. I mean, I think a lot of people didn't even know that was a thing that if, if someone could survive an abortion, let alone be the hundreds of them. Uh, and I want to I want to address this. We we see right now in Congress, and we've seen this in the past of the Born Alive Infant Protection Acts. Those those kinds of laws that are attempting to be passed to protect uh, preborn children from the very thing that happened to you. That was an, an abortion or at least the, the, uh, the afterwards, after the abortion, uh, letting or assisting in their death. Uh, how, what, what do you think about those laws? Because there are a lot of us out here who say, you know, is that's not really a thing. Let's deal with the abortions only. Uh, you know, right now in, in the U S Senate, we can't even get enough votes to get past a protection against ch uh, babies that are born alive and survive an abortion. Uh, how active are you in speaking on that particular piece of legislation at the federal and state level? Very active, as you can imagine. So, I imagine so. Uh, yeah. You're probably a prime testimony or at least a person who, who provides testimony all across the country on these laws. Very much so. And we have an education and policy center through the Abortion Survivors Network that is allowing us to train and equip other abortion survivors to do the same and not just share our stories, but also present data. There is so much data, Mark, that exists mm -hmm. about how long this has happened, how frequent the prevalence is of failed abortions. But yet our culture has done such a good job of burying the truth. And so be it that we get to be the ones that help illuminate that truth for other people. So yes, I've gone before Congress multiple times. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I've testified for Born Alive legislation in South Dakota that is waiting for Governor Nome's signature right now. Uh, I mm -hmm. wish that we didn't have to have this kind of legislation. This is ridiculous. Right. It is. But here we are. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, it, 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 it should go without saying that a child that survives an abortion ought to be provided the necessary prenatal or neonatal care to survive and, and live. But we knew that uh, we know that's not true. We, we heard on tape. What was it? Two years ago or so. Governor Northam talking about that's the Maryland governor talking about after an abortion, just allowing the baby to sit on the table and leaving it up to the doctor and the mother to decide, uh, you know, it's it's horrific to see that in real time where he was talking about the cold, calculated killing of a baby that's been born alive after an abortion. But it happens. It's a real thing. And you're 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 the you're the proof of it. I mean, the fact that you survived an abortion. I think a lot of people think choice is some nebulous thing that we don't know what it is. It's just 
a, a woman's right to choose, choose what? We never answer the question, choose an abortion, which is the killing of a person. You're proof of that. You're a real living, breathing person that survived an abortion. And your testimony is so very powerful and needed. We appreciate it very much. Uh, the Abortion Survivors Network, folks, if you want to go find out more, you can also go to that website. And that's abortionsurvivors.org, abortionsurvivors.org. Uh, there are lots of people, hundreds of them, that are now coming forward and bringing their testimonies to, uh, to the fore about this. Uh, if you would, uh, uh, Melissa, give us some parting words for our audience here. we got about a minute left. I would just say, you know, this is not just my calling. This is not just your calling, Mark. Every single one of us have gifts and time to make a difference in this world. And so we can't leave it to anybody else. We can't think that it's somebody else that's going to step up and do it. Uh, and this is not a time for anybody to be complacent or silent. So I hope people find encouragement in what you have done and what I have done. Again, Melissa Oden's been my guest. You can go to melissaoden.com. That's melissaoden.com. That's spelled O-H-D-E-N. You've been listening to your radio activists here on the Mark Harrington Show. And folks, you can find out more by going to markharringtonshow.com. Please help us by giving financially to our organization, Created Equal, and to the radio program. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil. plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to the Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.